1: Listen, if you've been trekking with us, um, we're in a new series. I mean, we're in this series entitled Running with the Giants. And I don't know about you, but it has really, really elevated my faith to a whole another level. I I consider myself a faithful person. As a matter of fact, if uh, you looked at my spiritual gifts assessment, faith is my number one spiritual gift. I have strong faith. I, I believe that God said he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And, you know, I, I just don't worry about stuff because I believe that God will come through. And he always has. Even when I was a non-believer, he has always been there. Amen. And so in this series, we've, we, 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 we came from the book of Hebrews twelve one. one, <coughs> excuse me, where it talks about, we stand on, uh, uh, uh on the faith of these great witnesses that, that 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 have that 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 have been that are looking down upon us in this race called life. Now, right before that chapter is uh, Hebrews eleven, and in Hebrews eleven, we find this great story known as the Hall of Faith, where, there, where there's a list of all of these amazing people who did some amazing things uh, for God, but it required great faith. We, we talked about Esther. We talked about Rebecca, uh, David, Joseph. We talked about so many great people who had to use some exceptional faith to do some incredible, and in some instances, what seemed impossible things for the kingdom of God. And, and, and because they've done these things, they're in heaven right now looking down upon us saying, you got it. In this race called life, you got it. Look at our stories. Pick up your Bible. Read what we had to go through. And we persevered to get to this point. And so, and so today, today is, is probably one of the most important people in the entire Bible when we talk about how to, to, to deal with faith. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use his model to help you all in dealing with faith. And, and the person that we're going to really, really talk about as we conclude this series today is none other than Jesus himself. We're going to use Jesus's model and how he handled, how, 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 what he did as an example for us here on earth to live this thing, this walk, this race, run this race called life. And we're going to use his model and how we can do that. And, and, and now next week, I just want to plug this. You saw the, the video promo. You don't want to miss next week. This next series that we're getting ready to jump into is probably, probably one of the most important series that I'm going to speak to you all about. It's, it's, it's really about us as a church and I'm not talking about this building, and I'm not talking about mosaic church. I'm talking about the body of Christ, and how we are so outside of the mission, and we have to kind of get recalibrated, get our systems back, get synchronized to get back on the mission. That God, it is a very important series, and I don't want you all to miss one single week. Invite your friends. This is this is really really deep. Um, so certainly next week we start a new series. All about the book of Acts. And trust me, it's going to bless your life in a major way. You don't want to miss a single week of that. Let me pray and then I'm going to jump right into this word today. Eternal God in heaven, thank you for this righteous and wonderful moment to stand before your people as your ambassador. God, I pray that my tongue is articulate this morning and that my mind is fresh. And God, I want to remember every important point that you'd have me share with your people this morning. I don't want to leave one thing out because I firmly believe that at the end of this day, at the end of this moment, someone will be transformed by this very word and their faith renewed and strengthened. Oh, God, if you would bless this place this morning from center to circumference, we'll be ever grateful to give you all the credit for the transformation that occurs in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hebrews 12 has been our, our, our scripture. And when and, and you find this, it's in your notes, it's in your worship guide. It says this Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, the people that we've been talking about these several weeks, the people that we've been really digging deep into their lives, since we are surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. The weight of depression, the weight of of, of not knowing, the weight of doubt, the weight of addiction. Let us strip off all of these things that slow us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know what's so amazing is let us run the race that God has set before us. And then right after that, for these past several weeks, we've started every single message with that scripture. Every single week we've started with that scripture. And then right after that, this is the scripture that's going to bless your life today. And I'm going to read the message version. Watch this. Watch this. Keep your eyes. This is Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Keep your eyes on Jesus who began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in with God, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So here's the thing. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That long litany Of stuff that he went through, all the persecution, all of this being spat on, being lied on, even being kicked out of his own town when he was trying to preach the gospel. I mean, literally facing all of this stuff. He went through all of that. Then on the cross, I'm going to share with you these last seven words he shared on the cross, and this is going to bless your life. Now, I know typically this is a Good Friday message, but here's what I want to tell you. This message is an everyday message. Not just Friday, it's Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's an everyday message as a reminder of how he made it through all of this stuff, all of the persecution, and how you can apply those same things in your life today. The crazy thing is that this message that I'm going to share with you, these last seven words of Jesus on what, what we call Good Friday was not really a good day for Jesus. It was a horrible day. It was the worst day that any of us could ever imagine happening to us. He knew his fate. He knew that at the end of the day, he would be dead. He would be with his father in heaven. But he also knew because history told him because it was already prophesied because he was indeed the son of God. He also knew that he had to go through some stuff before he just ended. He also knew that he would be spat on. He also knew that he would be be, be cursed at. He also knew that he'd be given sour wine. He also knew that he would have to carry this cross. He knew that they would put a crown of thorns on his head. He knew all of these things, but yet he continued on. And for these these next few moments, I really want to talk to people. And everybody else can listen, but I really want to talk to people who are right now at the end of their rope. This message is for people who are like, you know what, I'm tired, I'm done, I'm fed up, I am waving my white flag. This message is for people who are tired, who are fatigued by this thing called life. This message is for people who have finally said enough is enough. God, if you don't do something today, I quit. This message is for quitters, doubters. People who still have fear in their heart. People who just are are just tired of trying to figure this thing out on their own. This thing, this message is for you today. Everybody else can listen and share it, but this is for some people who are just worn out. Worn out by life and all that it has been given, all they that it has offered them. Here's what I want to tell you for those who are in that position, those who are in that space in life right now. It's never good. It never feels good to be in a place where you feel like you're suffering. It's never comfortable. Stretching never feels good. It never feels uh, 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 easy. But here's what I want to tell you. Suffering is the training ground for Christian maturity. Suffering is the training ground for Christian maturity. As a matter of fact, it develops our patience And makes the final victory that much sweeter. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. There is victory on the other side of this wall of despair. There is, listen, trust me. There is victory on the other side of this wall of despair. Whoever I'm talking to this morning, but you've got to persevere. You've got to build up that endurance. There is victory on the other side. And wherever you're at in this season of life, it's a season. <laughs> How many of you know seasons change? How many of you know that seasons change? And wherever you're at right now, it's a season. This message may just be for me today. I'll be completely transparent. There are moments even in my own life where I want to quit. Can we, can we just have a real, real grown folk conversation there are moments in life where it's just like, you know what? You know, I don't feel like fighting <laughs> for 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 this community any longer. If these people don't care, why should I? Can I be honest with you? Huh? There are moments where where, where, where I don't feel like fighting for my marriage. Huh? There are moments where I'm just tired of just trying to figure this thing out. There are moments where I feel like I don't want to fight for this church every Monday morning. <laughs> There are moments why I don't even want to wear this badge of honor called Christianity because I, I'm, I'm tired, y'all. But don't, don't be discouraged. Remember, my spiritual gift is faith. And I have great faith that God will always pull me through, and he always has. Even when I didn't believe in him, he believed in me. But I figure if I just let y'all know my mess, you can be at ease knowing that you're not alone. You can be at ease knowing that 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 even though uh, you may have some of these same anxieties, where you just don't have the energy, you don't have the perseverance, you just don't have enough in you to just keep on fighting. God is still there with you. Just keep on holding on. Old folks used to say, "If you make it to tomorrow, God is already there. If you make it to tomorrow, He's already He's waiting for you. You just have to persevere. You've got to hold on. You've got to keep pushing." So, 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 Pastor B, that sounds good, man. I thank you for sharing your, your little testimony, Pastor B. But how does this apply to me, man? How does this apply to my life? You know, you talk about Jesus and, and keep our eye on him. Well, 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 how did he do it? And this is what I want to share with you this morning, how he did it. The first thing I want to share with you. Is one of the things Jesus did, the very first thing he did after he had been spat on, after he had this terrible, no good day, people cursed him. He had to carry this cross. They put a crown of thrones on his head, nailed him, an innocent man to this cross. The very first thing he did while he's there, he says this, watch this. He says in Luke 23:34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. The very first thing you must do is forgive everyone that's trying to bring you down. Forgive everyone that's trying to bring you down. And some of y'all sitting here, like, oh, no, I don't have any haters in my life. No, they just haven't made themselves available. You haven't seen them yet. You got them. There's somebody right now smiling in your face. Oh, you're doing so good. I wish you would get fired. So I could take your job. Oh, you you have such a beautiful marriage. I just can't wait till they get a divorce. There are some people you don't even realize right now that are praying bad. Hear what I say. Praying bad things over you. Right now, you may not know you got haters, but let me tell you, baby, you got haters. People that are on your team. People that aren't supporting you. People that don't have your back or your front or your side. They're just watching you. They're they're like vultures just waiting for the leftovers so they can step in your place. you got to be careful. But here's what I want to tell you. Forgive everyone trying to bring you down. You cannot run this race of life with unforgiveness in your heart. You cannot. Can I be totally transparent with you all for one second? I'm the son of man. I'm Jesus. They nailed me on the cross. I know that right now I could say, Daddy, kill them all. I'm going to do that. I'm just being, you understand what I'm saying, Ron? If I'm Jesus, I'm on the cross. I know that my daddy historically has wiped out nations for just not doing the right thing. All I got to do is say, right now, kill them all, daddy, and they could be gone. I would probably do that. But not Jesus. The last thing I'm thinking about on this cross, after all these people spat on me, they curse me. I haven't even done anything. I'm completely innocent. They hurt me. They threw rocks at me. They did all kinds of stuff. And then watch this. He was even betrayed by one of his own boys, one of his disciples. Oh, man, I'm mad. Kill them all. Start with that, that no good. <laughs> the one that lied and brought these people to the place and, and just, just just sold me out for a couple coins. Literally but not Jesus. Jesus says, the first thing he says, in pain, in agony, on this cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And here's what I want to tell you people who have unforgiveness in your heart. I want you guys to say the same thing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Because here's a fact, hurt people hurt people. People that are hurting, they're going to hurt you. Misery loves company. Can I, I, can, I can throw a whole bunch of cliches out there all day. We can just preach cliches if we want. But that's the truth of the matter. Hurt people, people that are hurting, people that are disconnected, people that are not happy in life, they don't want to see you happy. And they're the best actors and actresses because they walk around like, hey, how you doing? Pretending to be happy, pretending to support you, pretending to be in your corner, pretending to give you an at a boy, at a girl. But the truth of the matter is, they are hurting. And at the end of the day, they want to see you hurt. Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Forgive them because they don't know that the hand that they're shaking is, is attached to a blessing. Forgive them because they don't know that God has called you to be the blessing in their lives. Forgive them because they don't realize that that by hurting you, they're hurting themselves because all you want to offer is love. Forgive them because they don't know just who you are connected to. Forgive them, and that's a hard thing. I'm not going to front and act like forgiveness is so easy. We can say it all day, I forgive you, but your heart still is heavy about some things. And please understand, when, when I say forgive, I'm not saying forget. I mean, unless you can get some amnesia or something, you're not going to forget anytime somebody hurt you, especially if the cut was deep. You're not going to forget. And I'm not saying, when I say forgive them, I'm not saying, uh, say, hey, it's okay, don't, don't, don't do it again, and ignore the fact that they hurt you. I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying that either. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying when you forgive them that you should even begin to associate with them again. I'm not, I'm not giving you license to do that. But what I am saying is, Offer your heart to God and ask him to mend it and forgive them through Christ. Don't do it on your own. You've already tried that and it didn't work out. Forgive them through Christ. God, forgive them for they know not what they do. And forgive me for holding on to this. Somebody said it this way. When you don't forgive someone, watch this. This is crazy. Unforgiveness is like sipping on a cup of poison and hoping the other person dies. Dang. Unforgiveness is like sipping some poison and hoping that the other person dies. In other words, you carrying this heavy burden of unforgiveness is like poison to your own system. You are killing yourself. You are stressing yourself out. Forgive them, but forgive them through Christ. You can't do it on your own. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them because they don't know who they're messing with. Father, forgive them because they don't know that I am your child. I am a direct heir of yours. Forgive them because they don't know who they're messing with. Father, forgive them. Not you forgive them. Father, forgive them through Christ. That's the key. Stop trying to do it on your own. It hasn't been successful yet, has it? Okay, don't answer that publicly, but it hasn't been. Here's the second thing he did. Watch this. Luke 23, 39 through 43 says this. One of the criminals hanging up there with Jesus, hanging beside him, scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. And then he had to throw something else in there. Us too, <laughs> while you're at it, you know. But the other criminal protested. Don't, fe- don't you fear God even when you have sen- sentence- been sentenced to death? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man... Hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know what he did? He helped others. Watch this. This is what you need to do. Help others that are experiencing your same struggle. How many of you know that whatever you may have gone through or you may be going through, it's, you're not the only person to ever go through it? How many of you know that? How many of you know uh, whatever you're going through, whatever you have gone through, that it's not the first time you've been here, right? You've, you, you've got some, some uh, testimonies as a result of the tests, amen? How many of you know that whatever, whatever is going on in the world right now is nothing new under the sun? I believe it was Solomon that told us that, right? Listen here. Help others that are going through your same struggle. Seriously. Help them out. People, listen, Jesus is on this cross. He's nailed to them just like, like, you know, He's nailed on the cross just like they are, which is the most humiliating way to die. Most criminals were just beheaded. It was simple. Let me just chop your head off and it's cool. That was like a way of dying, it was honorable. But when they hung you to a cross, it was a sign of humiliation. He's an innocent man with some people who actually legitimately committed crimes they were caught for. Even, even one of them admits he's like, yeah, we're guilty. But this guy, he didn't even do anything. Jesus is up there with him. The last thing I'm thinking about is helping somebody else out. First of all, I'm not going to forgive him. I'm up here like, dude, just be quiet. I'm just trying to meditate so maybe I can numb the pain through meditation. Because this hurts really bad. So I'm not. I, don't talk to me right now. Your talking hurts more. (laughs) Shh, shh. But Jesus is like, I assure you, you'll be with me in paradise. I'm going to make sure that you get a pass. Even right now we're suffering. Even now we're hurting. I'm going to make sure you get a pass. Why? Because you recognize who I am. You realize that I am the son of man. Sometimes when you are going through... If I just be honest, the hardest thing to do is help somebody else out. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes when somebody's like, can you pray for me? Don't you want to say, can you pray for me? Right? Sometimes when somebody's like, hey, man, uh, can, you, can, can I borrow some money or can you give me some money? Don't you want to sometimes be like, can I borrow some money? Can I be honest with you? Sometimes people want advice, and you're like, Can I get some advice? In other words, it's hard to be helpful to other people when you are going through your own valley. It's hard to love when you don't feel it in your heart, when you don't feel loved. It's hard to hug somebody when you need a hug yourself. It's almost impossible to encourage somebody when you're discouraged. It's hard. It's difficult. But it's not impossible. Here's what I learned, and I learned this the hard way, I guess. In my most painful and darkest moments, when I put my stuff aside and was there for somebody else who had a need greater than mine or sometimes equal to mine, and in other cases, even less than mine, to put my stuff aside, to be there for them, actually bless me. To see the expression on their face like, oh, man, you don't know. And then you hear from them a couple days later, man, that, that, that prayer, oh, man, brother, that blessed me. That blessed me. Man, you, you giving me your last $5 in your pocket, man, that, that, that blessed me. You don't even know what it did. That gave, gave me gas to get somewhere. Let me give you an example. One day I was traveling with my kids in the car. We were running late somewhere, and uh, there was an accident. And I'm just one of these people, man. I'm just strange like that. I just trust God. I just pull over every time I see an accident. I just start praying. You know, some of us drive like, God, I hope they are all right. But not me. I pull over. I want to see if I can lay hands on somebody. I just just believe that God will use me to do something great. So I'm in the kids with the car, and there's an accident on 75, right, where 285 is connecting, like you want 75 South, where 285 is. And so... A big pick, uh, a big semi, apparently hit the back of uh, a 15-passenger van, and you can see it. It's hit. It's crushed. I'm like, man, these people didn't survive. I pull over. We're running late, and um, I went to check on those who looked injured most, and it was like um, some some kids from a youth group uh, coming back from Tennessee, and the truck driver, I think he wasn't paying attention or something. He ends up hitting them in the back, and so. I check on the, the people the young people in the van and they all seem they're just dazed and confused, but everybody's okay. There's no blood or anything like that. So then I go over to the truck driver and it's like, Hey man, what's going on? And he's like, Can you pray for me? And this and that. Um listen, this is I'm gonna get fire behind this. And it wasn't my fault. This person slammed on their brakes and I slammed on mine and blah, blah, blah. So sure enough, man, I says, What's your name? And gave him my business card and you know I don't think nothing I pray for people all the time. I don't expect people to ever call me back. I pray for the guy, and, and uh one day I got this random call from somebody, very, very southern dude, and uh I told him I was a pastor, and he calls me preacher. He says, "Hello, this is Saul, Saul. I says, How you doing and uh I was like I couldn't remember. He says, "You're the preacher. I met over on eighty five on seventy five 285. I had the accident. I was in the semi truck and I hit the back of that car, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was like." Man, how'd it work out? Um, you know, first thing I'm thinking is like he's gonna ask me for a job or do if I, if I can hook him up somewhere. But he's like, he got quiet. I was like, hello, hello. I thought I lost my signal, and he starts. I just want to tell you, and he's crying, and I'm like, oh my goodness, he got fired. Good lord, this poor guy. He's like, I just want to tell you, man. Um, no points on my license. I didn't get fired from my job. I kept my job. Nobody got hurt. Insurance didn't go up. None of that. And it was just, I paused in that second to just put myself, I don't care about my schedule. I'm like, whatever I'm going to be late for, well, I'll be late for, but somebody here needs prayer. I prayed over this young man, this older man. He called me back saying, no points, didn't get fired. Insurance didn't go up. How many of y'all know that don't happen in Georgia? How many of you know you will go to jail sometime if you're doing some crazy stuff like that? But he took the time to call me and say that. Why? Because, watch this, I put his life before my own. And, of course, we were late for it, but at the end of the day, the kids saw something beautiful. Huh? I was an example for my kids. Like, hey, now I hope they don't stop for every single stranger because sometimes, you know, they might try to jack you or something on the side of the road. But anyway, but that, that, that's it. Help others experiencing your same struggle. It was a day I didn't really want to help nobody, be honest with you. I wanted to get to where I wanted to go. I had, I had plans to be with my kids. Isaiah 58, 10 says this, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Watch this. This is what happens when you help those in trouble. Feed the hungry, do that, but help those in trouble. I'm going to say any kind of trouble. Watch this. When you do that, your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. In other words, when you help somebody who's in a dark state in their life, not only do you become light in their life, but your light shines so bright, you light up your own dark light. Oh, that's good. If this was a Pentecostal church, man, we have runners and everything on that. Help me, Jesus, where my holy folk at, my holiness people at. Listen, when you help somebody else, you become their light and your light in turn. Man, that's good. Pause sometime and help others. Here, here's a third thing he did. I got to get through these points real quick. Here's what else he did. John 19, 25 through 27 says this. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, It's funny how John always mentions that, right? Jesus loved me. I'm John. (laughs) When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her in to his home. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. One, it fulfilled Jewish law right? You always, you know, you never leave, uh, you you never leave someone hanging. You never leave someone without. Now, scholars believe that at this point in life, uh, Mary was a a widow. They believe that Joseph had already passed on at this point. If he's not there uh, and and he's with there, many scholars believe that she's at this point. Mary, Jesus's mom, is a widow. Jesus was taking care of her. Jesus goes on. He says, I'm not going to leave you hanging. John one of my main men, my key disciples, is now your son. He passed the torch to say, even though I'm gone, mama, you're taken care of. And watch this. And John, you now have a new mother. And that's my mother. You're taken care of. But here's the part I want you all to get. What he was doing really was establishing a new Church community. Because if we read, and, y'all, and we're going to get deep into this in Acts, this group of people that, 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 that were assembled there, this group of people that, that, that he said, I'm going to take care of, were those that were in the upper room in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they started the very first church. See, this all leads somewhere. What Jesus was establishing was a community that would continue on the gospel. Even after he's gone, he was establishing a community right there. Take care of those that are closest to you. Here's a question I have for you. Man, I'm so guilty of this. Who gets the most of your time? Your boss? Your job? Your friends? Your church? Who gets most of your time? Because here's what I want to present to you all. Whatever or whoever gets most of your time, those closest to you, if they're not getting it, they get the leftovers. And we need to flip that. Take care of those closest to you. The other day I was knee deep in, in just really preparing for this next series. And, and uh, this was a couple weeks ago. And uh, I'm just really into it. And Sydney is just coming, and she wants to sit on my lap. And I'm just like, no, baby, sit next to Daddy. And she's got my little phone, and she wants to go on uh, YouTube for kids. And I'm like, Daddy's really got to work. And she just wants to keep on going. And finally, she gets a little cup and wants to do tea party. And I had to say, time out, time out. This message is going, going to preach itself. This is God's word. I can't change it anyway. Let me stop and give her my time because in that moment she's the most important thing. What will she remember if I didn't? She'll remember me pushing her away and push and just not having time for her. Or will she remember my dad always had time for me no matter how busy he was, no matter what was going on, he paused and gave me time. And I sure enough did, put my computer down and we were sipping tea and I'm telling y'all it's probably the best imitation tea I've ever had in my life. It was just delicious. You can't even buy it anywhere else. But that's what's important. Take care of those closest to you, who gets the most of your time. Don't answer that right now. I want you to answer that for yourself, and flip it if it's not your family or those closest to you. Here's the fourth thing he did. Watch this, Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. About three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, "Eli, Eli, lema Sabakpani, which means, "My God, my God, why have you abandoned me?" Here's a fourth thing you ought to do. And this is this is this is powerful, but I'm going to free some of y'all. Sometimes you just have to accept that you accept that you may not understand God's plans on earth. So many people come to me with this question. I don't understand. Why does God do this? And why did God do that? And why does God allow good things to happen to bad people and bad things that happen to good? Why, 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 why? And I just want to say, and I say sometimes, sometimes like, you know, you might want to pray and ask God about it. But the truth of the matter, like, I don't know. Do you believe or not? Period. But that's not very pastoral of me. So I have to try to give something deep. But the fact of the matter is, we may not know all of the reasons why God allows things to happen here on earth. And we will stress ourselves out to death trying to figure God out. He's too big for us to understand. There's no book written for us to read or understand. There's no, listen, there are some great preachers out there, T.D. Jakes and Chris Hodges and others and Joel Osteen. But none of them can preach the understanding of God. None of us. There are a lot of things we will never in this life, as long as we're here on earth, will understand why things happen the way they do. And I'm going to make life easier for you. Accept it. Here it is, Jesus himself on the cross. Now, now we know like just a few days before that he was even asking God, he says, is there another way that I can fulfill this? Is this the only way? He was so stressed out, they say the man was sweating blood. Jesus. Because he knew what, 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 what his fate was. He knew what was about to happen. That's his first doubt. God, is there another way? I don't want to do it this way. Then the second thing is on the cross, he's like, he's like God, come on. Daddy, <laughs> daddy, where, where are you? Why, 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 why we got to do it like this? Why have you abandoned me? Where are you? Even Jesus on the cross nailed there, bleeding agony. He's asking, why have you abandoned me? And some things on earth we will not understand why God does it. Why does he allow the righteous to suffer? Why is Christianity so hard? Why, we, why is it not just easy? <laughs> why why, why do, 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 do these major disasters happen to all of these people on the other side of the earth? Why are you allowing Christians to be persecuted and beheaded by these other radical uh, religious people? Why, God? And there's just some things we just will not understand. Well, I'm not just saying just take it on the chin and say, all right, that's cool. But what I am saying is accept that you may not ever understand. Do your study. Keep on praying. But most importantly, keep on believing. Keep on believing. First thing they told us in seminary, I'll never forget the first day, they says, what you're going to learn in this class, don't let it steal your Jesus. You're going to learn some stuff that's man-made. But let me tell you, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. He's a real man that lived thousands of years ago, died uh, for you and I. He was an innocent man that died a horrible death. He rose again on the third. All of these things have been proven. This is real stuff that happened. Everything else, you can question, but Jesus is real. That's no doubting. Every Western religion acknowledges that Jesus did exist, and he exists now for you and I. Amen? Fifth thing I want to share with you, and, or well, let me say this. Even if it doesn't make sense, you've got to trust God. Fifth thing I want to share with you, John 19, 28 and 29, says this Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. Acknowledge your need, even on the cross. He now, listen, I'm thirsty. Give me some. And so many of us walk around, I'm just going to be honest. I see people all the time, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Everything is great. when truth is, you're hurting on the inside. Man, oh, and then, man, if it, listen, if my life got any better, I'd, I'd be a millionaire, man. Everything is great, pastor. Thanks for asking me. But the truth of the matter is you just thought about killing yourself. How, how are the wife and kids? Oh, man, the kids are wonderful. My wife is wonderful. But the truth is you all are falling apart at home. You've even looked at divorce. Man, how's your health? Oh, man, I'm in great. Listen, I just had a doctor's report two years ago, and, man, my heart is in tip-top shape. But you're walking around with a virus that you don't even know what it is. We need to acknowledge that we need each other. We need to acknowledge our needs. There's no shame in it. You know, I tell people all the time, uh, this is the hardest thing for men to deal with. I tell people all the time, one of the greatest things I discovered was therapy. I mean, that's and that's the truth. I never re I mean, it was like discovering bread for the first time. It was like, whoa, I got a lot of junk and I can just dump it on this person who doesn't know me. And even if they don't say anything back, I just jumped, dumped a whole bunch of junk on them. And even if they judge me, I don't care. I don't know you. You don't know me. But it was a great thing. But men have a problem. You, you recommend therapy to a man. They're like, no, nah, <laughs> no, I ain't crazy. You're crazy for not wanting Someone is speaking to your life and not judge you and not judge you. Recognize your need. And I realized, you know, after speaking with certain people and there were certain things in my life that no person that I knew could give me the right advice. They knew me too well. No pastor could give me the right advice. They were too spiritual. But a therapist, someone who went to school, been trained to listen and, and offer some stuff or not. That was the best thing. Some, I'm not saying that some of you all need that, but whatever your need is, acknowledge that and, and confront it head first. Whatever that is, whatever your need is, acknowledge it and deal with it head on. Don't, don't let it fester and you just, you know, just deal with it. Too often we put up these walls of isolation. Never let people in our lives and next thing you know, we turn around and you know you see these stories on the news, like, oh man, that was a great person every time I saw them they were they were wonderful they they used to walk their dog and and I mean they were very friendly i don 't know why they killed all those people because they allowed something to build up on the inside of them that totally consumed them, whatever your need is, deal with it head on don 't let it just build up in you it it, it could become uh, viral within you, and I, I just don't want that. I'm very serious about that. This is why here at uh, Mosaic Church, we have our small groups. You know, small groups is a great way for you. To, I mean, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, pastor, you know, can, I, can you pray for me, or can I get with you, pastor? It's like, listen, I can't get you any closer to heaven than I can get myself. That's the truth of the matter. But You may have some friends in your small group that you can connect with, that you can share some personal stuff that may have gone through some similar things in your life. And we have some amazing small groups here now. Our men's group, man, we get deep. We get dirty. We laugh. We talk about some some deep stuff, some fears that some men, you know, we wouldn't otherwise confess. And women's group, I mean, they go really deep. I don't know what they talk about. Obviously, they don't tell me. But I know my wife is a happier person as a result of it. You know, we have several uh, small groups to get in, and so... That's always a good way to have that surrounding. Here's the sixth point. I'm almost done. When all is said and done, you're going through everything in this world. Watch this. John 19, 30. When Jesus had tasted it, the wine, that yucky, sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. (laughs) Somebody in here may have received a bad report today. I want you to say this. It is finished. Somebody's heart has been broken. It is finished. Somebody just got fired. It is finished. Somebody is having some financial hardships right now. It is finished. You know the good news about it is finished? When Jesus left this world this earthly place where there was darkness, there was pain, there was sorrow, there was a whole bunch of mess. He went to a better place so it was easy for him to say it is finished. Here's what I want to tell you about it is finished. Whatever it is in your life that you are just saying it is finished to, that means you're about to go into something greater. It is finished. I don't know anybody who's gone through a valley or, 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 or a deep or tough season in their life and on the other end it wasn't better it always gets better it is finished i don't care what the report is it's a time to celebrate that's why it says in john and james no matter no matter what you face count it joy no matter what the trials are count it joy why because on the other side of despair is victory it is finished that's good news When it's finished, you've crossed the finish line. You've completed the race. It is finished. It is finished. I don't know what it is that you may be dealing with, but the good news is be assured there is a purpose and an end. This right now serves a purpose. Whatever this is in your life serves a purpose, good or bad, and it will end. And it will end. Here's my final point, and a worship team can come. Here's my final point. Surrender to God and let it go. Luke 23, 46, watch this. Even after he said, it is finished, then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath.